Julian Cole is a strategic genius that will change your perspective on strategy this episode. He is a strategy consultant to leading brands including Uber, Apple, Facebook, and Disney. Previously, he was head of comms planning at BBDO New York, where he oversaw a team of 15-plus strategists who created award-winning work for Bacardi, Foot Locker, Mountain Dew, GE, Snickers, M&M's, Lowe's, and more. Now, before all that, he was the head of communications planning at BBH New York, where he helped launch PlayStation 4 to be the highest-selling console launch in gaming history. Today, he is a strategy consultant and runs Planning Dirty Academy. The Planning Dirty Academy is an online platform with over 1,000-plus members from leading brands and agencies, including Google, Netflix, and the New York Times. We dive right into his take on strategy. First, he explains and provides two great case studies that break down how strategy makes creativity better. One is PlayStation, and the other is Cheetos. And now I can listen to this process for days. Julian has a lot of resources that he recommends. To find all the hand-picked resources just for you, visit our Instagram at EnteringAd. Breaking and Entering is supported by our friends at Chicago Portfolio School. Visit them at chicagoportfolio.com. Now, on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast, and as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Julian Cole, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. I'm super excited to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Gino. I really appreciate it. I've, um, I'm having an awesome week. So I've just started this new thing where I'm writing every morning. Like I'm a really bad person who gets on their phone in the morning in bed and like has been spending an hour and a half, like going through TikTok, Instagram, you name it. But this week had the phone on airplane mode have been putting it away and then walking in and doing an hour of work before, hour of writing before I do anything. So before you even check your phone, you're doing an hour of writing? Well, before I check the phone. And I've made a bet with my wife that if I don't do it, um, if I don't do the five days in a row, um, Monday to Friday, Mm -hmm. that night, the night I don't do it, I'm going into the ocean and like having a swim. And albeit we're in Australia here, it's, you probably think it's really warm all the time. It's not. It's the middle of winter. I'm in Melbourne, which is the most, one of the most southern cities. So that's horrendous. That's the last thing I want to do. Wow. But I've been on a streak and I love it. I hated writing and now I'm like turning myself to liking what, it. So, what are you, what are you, what are you writing about and how cold is it over there? Uh, okay, so I'm really bad with the Fahrenheit to Celsius, but I want to say it's like 40 degrees, maybe 40, 45 Wow. Uh, so, and the water is way colder, like it's 30, 34, you, so has, that, has that been useful? Have you jumped in the water yet? Oh, yeah. I, I actually, so it's a bit of a cheat. So after I run, because I've got really bad knees, I've been going into the water and that's been fantastic for my knees, like recovery. So I do do it and it's amazing once you 
you go in, but I don't do it at the end of the day at night time. Right. That's like, yeah, painful. Uh, so yeah. that's what, that's the punishment. But what I've been writing about is I've started a um, YouTube channel, which is all about strategy resources and helping people understand strategy. So I've been writing scripts for that and have wow. been getting through them. So this week I was writing um, two scripts on how you interview job candidates for strategy positions and then right. how you, on the other side, how you prepare for a strategy interview. So Wow, making you a great guest for this podcast for sure. Man, Absolutely. Uh, well, it's all top of mind. So hopefully I'll be able to give you a couple of nuggets in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first I want to talk about like, how did you become this wake up early, write in the morning, run or jumping in the ocean type of guy? Like, where did this all come from? And uh, it really, how did you become a strategy consultant? It sounds when you when you replay it to me, I sound like one of those painful people who is like, hustle hard, do all this, blah, 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 blah. But really, I'm struggling. I'm like the biggest battler. So it's like not the case. Don't think like, don't listen to this and think, wow, he's got his shit under control because it's not the truth. I do not have that shit under control. So uh, how did I start being a strategy consultant? Um, sure. I guess I, so I worked in agencies for 12 years and then about um, three years ago, I went out on my own. I was trying to look for a job. I'd taken a year off and gone traveling and came back to the States and was in Los Angeles and just couldn't find a job to save myself. So I started freelancing and from there it kind of grew and I was doing consulting. But now um, the main thing that I'm doing is actually the uh, academy that I run. So it's like a strategy finishing school. For planning people. dirty. Yeah, planning dirty. So for people Love who are it. currently planners or want to get into planning, I teach them the key essentials because there's just nothing out there, especially from people who are actually teaching and in the market. You have to be at like four or five great companies in uh, the world to actually get a great fundamental training and strategy. So I'm kind of opening that up and giving that fundamental training to everyone. How long have you been doing the Planning Dirty Academy? It's coming up to three years in September. Wow. So it's so good. Yeah, it's great. We've clocked over a thousand members in there, which is great. And I just feel like I'm growing too with the the members. Like it's amazing to see some of the trajectories from like really small agencies to now going on to like amazing roles at like Amazon and Facebook and Netflix. And so it's great to see the journey and see that the teachings that I've actually done can actually impact people's journey and kind of give them that confidence because what haunts a lot of strategists is imposter syndrome. Oh, because yeah. whenever you're taught it at school um, and you can't really get taught strategy, proper strategy at school, you kind of learn on the job. And it's kind of closer to a trade than a profession because you're, you're kind of under someone, you're trying to learn from them. But at the same time, it's kind of like you're left on your own. So you're kind like of like an apprentice. Up. Yeah, you're, it's an apprenticeship. So 
there's often a lot of time the heads of strategy don't have the time to actually teach the foundations and the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just like a natural fit for me. Um, I know how to speak the language. I worked at big corporates, you know, like BBDO and BBH, and I've worked mm -hmm. at small agencies. So I'm able to translate what a lot of CSOs are looking for um, from the training. Yeah. Tell us about those agencies that you were at and that experience. Obviously, those you said there's only a couple of good agencies or there's only a handful of agencies that teach, teach you good strategy, right? Mm. Um, so were those agencies that you were at, those were the, some of the good ones. How did you learn like all this stuff like on the job? Definitely. So I, I definitely think the two agencies, so I was in America for 10 years or working in agencies for about 10 years. And I just feel so fortunate to have worked at BBH and BBDO. So BBH is probably one of the highest regarded agencies. It's up there for, for strategy. For strategy. Yeah, Wyden yes. and um, Droga. I'd say they're in that kind of field, that echelon of, of great agencies. So it was quite um, daunting. When I moved to America, I'd only had three years, four years experience at really small agencies that didn't even have a creative department. And here I was walking into this agency and really probably didn't know too much about BBH. I just saw their roster and I was like, yeah, I'd love to work on Sprite, Google and Axe and Johnny Walker. That sounds amazing, of course. And then I get in there and I'm like, oh, my God, I've got no idea how to actually what strategy is. Like I can't even define it to my mum. Uh, how am I even going to like work here? But I knew my skill set. Like I was very good. I came in as a digital strategy director. And I was confident in my digital strategy and, and developing and building out creative ideas. So I felt like I had that background and I built that up. So when I was there, I, I ended, I had two years of making no work, zero piece of work because BBH was seen as a traditional agency and they didn't want to buy digital work from them. This was 10 years ago, 2011. Wow. And so two years of like not making work and I was ready to kind of quit because in Australia too, the amount of work you produce is phenomenal. Like you're pushing out work all the time. You just don't have those bigger agencies, everything's smaller. Divide everything by 10. The budgets are divided by 10. The sure. amount of people are divided by 10, everything. So you just are way faster. And then I came into this place with big a big company and everything just slowed up. But I was lucky, PlayStation, we we were on a losing streak. We lost eight or 10, 10 to eight pitches in a row. So demoralizing, not making any work and losing about eight to 10 pitches, not, not the greatest place to work. But the sure. real pivotal moment for me was when we won PlayStation and helped relaunch them as... Um, greatness awaits, which was like the tagline. And that went on from being kind of the second player in the market to the number let, one. Let me pause you right there. So as I have a, I had a researcher on my team and yeah. as he was researching, I'm looking at this piece of paper. Now he wrote, led the charge on the PlayStation greatness awaits campaigns in red font, all bold goes, these were so sick. <laughs> and I remember these because these were so sick. I thought that was so cool when I read that. So great uh, job with that. Um, I, I've got a, as, as with everything, it wasn't just me not leading right. the chat by right. myself. With the strategy, I was in a team. There was three 
probably three or four main strategists that were on that account. So when you're on an account that size as PlayStation, you're not going to be the only um, strategist. Of course. So of course. definitely can't take all the credit, but was an amazing, uh, was an amazing experience, and obviously a brand that people love, and mm-hmm. to to in the console wars and to win that and to kind of come from second to first is like that's what you dream about, you know, as a young strategist, you want to make an impact like that. So how'd you come up with greatness awaits? What was the story behind that? So it's actually a good, I can actually talk about it from like a strategy perspective. It's actually a really good case study too. So if you go back, so this was the launch of PlayStation 4. So PlayStation 3, if we go back to that time, mm-hmm. the business scenario was uh, PlayStation had actually gone after a broader market. They wanted to become the home entertainment system. Mm-hmm. There was all this future visioning of like the console being the number one thing. It was like the laptop for the um, for the living room. Now, what they had done there was they had actually isolated themselves from their original core audience, which was gamers. On top of that, they had issues with their network and Xbox um, network was just far superior. So Xbox 360 really won that and won gamers in a big kind of swath. Um, Swath? Sway. Um, There was a lot who had come over to Xbox. So the problem was they had kind of turned their back on gamers and what they realized was that was not the strategy. They could not do that. So what they did was actually realize we've got to go back and double down on gamers. So if you look at the business goal, it was to become the number one console. They had a great console. They knew they were good. The business problem was everyone thought that they had turned their, turned um, on gamers and weren't for the gamers anymore. So that's one side of it. And this is what I always say. There's three key ingredients to a um, strategy. Three key ingredients and two perspectives. The three ingredients are you've got a goal, so um, a business goal and a consumer goal. You've got a problem that stands in the way of your goal and you've got the solution which takes you around that. And then you've got two perspectives from the business perspective and the consumer perspective. This, the two perspectives is actually what makes strategy so hard. Like when you're a business consultant, you only, you always start at the goal and then you work through what's the problem and then you work to the solution, your way around it. Sure. When you're starting in marketing and creative strategy, you've got to do that level as well. But then on top of that, you start at the very other end. You start with the PlayStation and you're like, okay, but what's this solving for? And you've got to work yourself back from that to what's the problem it's solving for? And then what's the goal? Like what is the end goal that they're really, what do they really want? And then what's standing in their way? So, we knew the business, we knew the business. So we, you could structure that up the top. You've, um, you've, you wanna be the number one selling console this generation. Your problem is you've turned your back on gamers. So you need to like show that you're back in them. So then right. it was all about consumer research and through the consumer research, what they realized was if you look at like, why do people play games? Well, it's all about kind of getting that feeling um, of experiencing heightened excitement or the, the emotional rush that you get from gaming. That's why why people game. Now, 
that's where people wanted to be, but there was a problem at that moment. And that moment was the problem that they identified was that in media, everyone um, had been kind of putting uh, the achievements that people had in gaming, that was seen as a lower achievement. You were kind of seen as a bit of a nerd and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of cast away in society. It wasn't cool to be a gamer still. Like you kind right. of were embarrassed to say it or you couldn't celebrate those victories. You couldn't really let yourself out. And there was so no the, Twitch, there was no esports, there was no Ninja, there was none of that, right? Yeah, we weren't there yet. And so what we realized was the insight was really that um, the realness and the emotions that you have winning in FIFA, um, you know, on, on Xbox or PlayStation is the same as the emotions and the realness of winning in your office indoor soccer team. You know, those emotions are all the same. And so we needed to just legitimize that and say, hey, no, those emotions are the same as if you're out there kicking a football and winning the local league. So the solution was, and and the solution for that is um, we wanted to invite, inspire and challenge gamers to their greatness. So if you look at brand archetypes, it's very controversial. Some people love archetypes, others don't. The archetype of PlayStation is the magician. And so in the hero's journey, um, the magician is always like inviting, inspiring and challenging the hero to their greatness. And that's what PlayStation wanted to do. In all their ads, they're inviting, inspiring and challenging gamers to their greatness. So in the original ad, the guy is getting out of the car and he's challenging gamers to their greatness. Um, And the magician. yeah, that comes through the spot and it's an amazing, yeah, amazing spot that you should definitely watch. But that was the strategy. And so that strategy um, actually came through in every single spot. So when we had new titles, we'd always be asking, what is the way that we're going to invite, inspire, challenge gamers to their greatness with this launch of Gran Turismo, with the launch of Second Son, all these different titles. Wow. So we brought that through and everything lived under the idea um, of greatness awaits, which was the creative idea. Wow. How hard was it to stay on strategy? Because I hear that all the time. Stay on strategy, stay on strategy. I think that one was quite um, quite easy because it had a really clear line, which was invite, inspire, um, invite, inspire and challenge games to their And that line was actually co-written by the creative like the creative director and CCO and the um, CSO, the strategy director, and they wrote that together. And so we all knew what we had to do every single spot. I think sometimes it's hard to stay on strategy when you don't have such a clear articulation of the idea platform or the idea. Um, So in this case, quite a, uh, not, not without its challenges, but it was way simpler than a lot of other projects I've worked on. Right, because it was so clear. Mm. Interesting. Wow, I could listen to you talk about case studies like that all night. That is so interesting to me. Um, is there any other like quick ones at the top of your mind, like top of mind, that like case studies that you're really proud of that you want to ro- run through? Uh, the other ones, I've got lots. You definitely you check do. out my YouTube um, channel because there there is a ton in the YouTube channel. So I, yeah. I could definitely roll off a lot more. Okay. Uh, 
but definitely check that okay. out. No worries. No worries. Okay. So check it out on the YouTube. What's the YouTube again? Uh, it's strategy tips and it's Julian Cole. I'm sure if you okay. Google Julian Cole, you'll get a lot there. I think I've got like 10 up there. So yeah, there's a I lot. I will put that in the bio for sure. Okay. So you walked us through kind of like the creative process there, the, the, the strategy uh, framework. So mm. how would you define strategy in general for those who are looking to break into it that are not so clear on what it is? Yeah, so I think the the easiest interpretation I've got will we'll come back to those three key ingredients, which are you've always got everyone has a goal where they want to go. Like humans, you know, we all often think about goals um, as like big things like New Year's resolutions, but every single thing that we do has a goal. So, yeah, there is the New Year's resolution of I want to get um, a great job that's going to propel my career. Uh, I want to run fast or lose weight. There's all those goals, but then there's also shorter, smaller goals in life as well, which are just desired states that we want to be in. So here it might be, I'm trying to focus on listening to this podcast and take notes, or you know, you're just trying to get to work, or just uh, be in this commute and not, you know, fall over on the train or subway. So we've got a number of goals that we're always trying to reach. So I always say that that's the starting point of a strategy is that everything has a, a goal that we're reaching. And in business, it's so much easier because there's only three goals, marketing goals, which is always to uh, increase sales, um, increase market share or price sensitivity. So we want people to pay more for the products that we have. So that's very easy. That's business side is very easy. The other side, the consumer goal side is much harder. So I usually use a tool, which is the 24 motivations of uh, human kind of human goals that I've got. So there's 24 kind of big ones that are broken into internal, external. And I usually start there as a point to work out what product um, the goal is. And so once we have that, strategy is all about people trying to reach a goal. That's what we're trying to do. No matter, you know, you can look at all the war analogies. That's always the same too. But if everyone knows where the goal is and there's nothing stopping us from reaching the goal, then you don't need a strategy because it's clear everyone's on the same path. Hmm. When we need a strategy is when there is something in our way, when everyone's unclear of the way through to the goal. So that becomes a problem a problem that we have to overcome. And so with consumers, there's always kind of like a problem that's standing in our way. And this is what often gets left off the brief, the consumer problem and the consumer goal, because we always have, we need to make people aware of our products um, and that's never enough. Uh, and so I'll, I'll give you another example here. Yeah, um, Cheetos. Uh, I, lo I love, this was my favorite campaign from last year. It also won the Creative Strategy Award for Cheetos Popcorn. And what Cheetos Popcorn realized was they needed to grow. Their business goal was to grow market share in the snack category. The consumer goal that they realized um, was that was the, the younger generation was feeling burnt out. They were just like, oh my God, I'm so drained. And uh, it's just so much happening. 
And so what they realised was the problem, if we talk about what the consumer problem was in that case, was that the media and culture was telling them this culture of like hustle hard. It's like, you know, you Gary V's like, you got to have a second job. What's your second job? You know, like, how are you optimizing every single minute of every day? Yeah. And people are just exhausted. That's giving them anxiety. That's not helping them. No one wants to be in that heightened sense of tension all, yes. all the time. Absolutely. So there was this message that was always getting um, put to them. And so what Cheetos realized was that they actually had a solution. And the insight that they came up with was that even snack time, when people are snacking, was now seen as something that you should be optimizing. You should be eating on the go, you know, like there's oh. all that products of like the drink that you can drink Horrible. so you don't eat real food. And yeah. what they realized was Cheetos dust, when you have all that, the, the crap, the orange dust on your yeah. hands, yeah. it actually makes you able to do nothing else. It's like right. you're, you, you've got the perfect alibi to do nothing when you've got Cheetos dust on your hand. And so they had actually found, and there's the insight in there that Cheetos dust is your perfect alibi for doing nothing. That's what, what the message was and the solution to the problem. So there we can see a strategy. It had the three things. It has the, and, and on the two levels as well, it's got the goal, people are just sick of being like hyper anxiety always on the problem was the media was telling them that's the way you have to be the hustle hard culture yep. and then the solution which is the product which is what you start with is actually cheetos dust is your perfect alibi to do nothing so that is how you do a strategy that's what a strategy can um, contains it contains three things goal problem, solution. And when we talk about the word insight, what an insight is, is it's a, it's a revelation. It makes us, huh, oh, that's a new way of looking at it. It's a revelation that shows us a new way around the problem or reframes the problem for us. So that's what we're always looking for is this reframe or, or revelation of the problem and so we see there and then the final point it's there's like the three r's um what it needs to do is also solve the pro uh, solve the problem because a lot of insights have got nothing to do with solving the problem and here with the cheetos dust it solved the problem it was like hey we got the alibi for you mm -hmm. so that's what you're always looking for um with an insight so the insight was it really it took something that was a negative about the product and reframed it as a complete positive um, and it completely helped us to get around that problem I so, really like yeah. and i wanted to go back on insight right there i really like mm -hmm. your your linkedin post when it was saying the the difference between observation and insight because all the time we hear insights get thrown around i really like that yeah i think a lot of and it and it's such an intimidating word too when someone else says oh that's not an insight oh that's not insightful i don't think that's an insight you're like well what what is it what's the definition and i i think as as young people trying to get into the into the industry mm -hmm. know that no no one's got all the answers we don't have the answers and i remember when i was starting i used to think um you know strategy was kind of like uh kfc's secret herbs and spices everyone else knew it 
but me. I didn't know what it was. And I was like, oh my God, I just want the book. Who's got the book that taught yeah. them? You're kind of like, it's like being in college and like everyone else has read the book, but you and you're like, how, what are you, how are you guys talking about this? I don't even understand what you're saying. When really what strategy is like, is like your grandmother's passed down spaghetti recipe. Everyone's got their own way of doing it. Everyone's using kind of the same ingredients, but everyone's got their own flavor to it. So don't feel intimidated around these big words because no one knows. And if you don't know, just ask people. Say, oh, I've got my own understand. I think I know what an insight is, but could you help explain it to me? Could you show me some examples or tell me what you think it means? Because we're all we're all working this out. And trust me, I was like, even when I was working in heads of department, I was still trying to work out what strategy meant. Wow. So it's like your grandma's cooking, it's passed down. I like that. I like that analogy a lot. Because it's passed down from like strategy to director, strategy director to strategy director. Everyone's got their own take on it. Um, so you'll just, you'll create your own recipe too. You'll create your own version of it. And, and that's, the, that's the fun part about it. It's also the intimidating part about it because when you go to a new agency and new company, you don't know if you're doing it right. All right, now let's break into breaking into it. Like, how do you get you, you know, how do you even taste the strategy gravy or pasta or whatever it is? Like, how do you get your foot in the door? What are the ways to do it? Because our audience wants to get in there and experience everything you're talking about, but it's not necessarily that easy. So what advice do you have for those people that just graduated or they're looking for that internship? Yeah, for sure. So you, you the best thing to do is to understand the strategy fundamentals. So you just need to learn the fundamentals. And that's what we've talked about today is like understanding about the goal, the problem, the solution. Because if you understand those fundamentals and really, really get to know that, that is all that strategy is. And, and when you talk about like creative briefs as well, like how do you write a creative brief? Well, a creative brief is those elements as well. I always like to use the brief um, that I used at BBDO, which is called the get who to buy. And so when you're writing a creative brief, you write get the target consumer, who the consumer problem to the consumer goal buy the solution or the single minded proposition. That That is what a creative brief looks like. So understand those fundamentals. I've got a, I've got a mini course on it as well, which um, you can do on how to write a creative brief. It's really short. But what you need to do is start doing, um, start practicing strategy, because that's what most um, candidates who want a strategy job don't do. And the 10% of people that do do it, they're the ones that get jobs. Because what you need to do is practice it. Practice being great at strategy. Don't tell me that you wanna be a strategist and you're smart and you've done all this. I wanna see your work. So the best way to get a job in strategy is to actually practice it on fake briefs. And you see, that's what I do. Like, even when you look at the YouTube channel that I've created, it's all me retrofitting briefs. And so that's what you should start doing is like, take a campaign you like, read about it, and then break it down into its core elements. Try to write the creative brief. Try to write the strategy on a oh, page. work backwards on already yeah. created campaigns. Yeah, 100%. That is the best way to do it and try to unlock the pieces because it's like with writing. I know there was a famous writer and I'm butchering it because 
I don't remember the writer, but mm. they said that the best way to learn how to write is to actually take the books, the iconic and famous books you love, and actually write word by word what it is. Oh, really? And that's how you learn to write. And so I think the same is true with strategy. Just try to retrofit it, see what they've done there. And if you do that and share that with strategy directors or someone who's got a job as a strategist and they start giving you feedback, you'll be seen as more committed than 90% of other strategists who are in the industry. What what medium are you showing your knowledge in an interview? Or is this a website? What? How do you show this? So, yeah, I would start with a website. And then what I'd do is I'd have that as a deck. So a Google Slides deck. So I've got another um, video that I did with a girl who just graduated from Villanova called M Michaela Juracek. And she actually has put up her, we talked through her strategy portfolio and she did it as a Google Slides deck. And I always recommend that if you're new, you should always do it as a Google Slides deck and have it in your back pocket in the meeting or, you know, have the laptop there and say, hey, if you've got mm -hmm. two minutes, I'd love to walk you through three of them of the briefs I've done or talk to different people. And if they can see that you've got the skills and they, they're going to find work for you or position for you. But this is what most strategists don't do. Wow. So have it in as simple as a Google Slides deck, but if you can, put it in the website. Yeah, please don't. But the, the biggest um, time suck that I see and this is for freelancers or anyone looking for a job, is they think people care about websites. They don't. Hiring managers don't care. They, you know what? HR, just use it to vet you and to just like tick a box. And they're like, oh, here's some link that I can send to everyone else. And people spend way, way, way too much time on their website. And what you should be doing is like you only build a website once people are like coming to find you. Mm -hmm. What you should be spending 80% of your time on is networking and finding opportunities to get to talk to strategists. And there's ways to do that. You know, there's like find what they're interested in and hook them in. That's nice. what you want to do. Like um, the one I, the, the thing I always like to think about is like the collect call. Like what would a strategist at an agency you'd like to work at what would they accept a collect call for? What information? What are you telling them? Oh. Hey, I've, hey, and and work, what's your advantage? What's your angle? So if you're young now, it's like Gen Z, you're like, hey, I understand this age group. I can bring, and if you're looking at a company that you really want to work for, say you want to work for the agency that does Chipotle, you're like, hey, I can bring you in Gen Z's point of view or here's an interesting trend that's related to I know a problem of yours. You know, you, the brand's all about realness. Hey, I've got this thing. I've, I've noticed this trend about realness that I think that you could capitalize on or this is the problem that Gen Z's are having around realness or whatever their thing is or, you know, you work out what is the brand about and then you break back from there. Love it. That sounds actionable, which is what we love. Yeah. Amazing. You gotta that's the that's the thing. I think for me, that's everything I try to do with the Planning Dirty Academy is you want stuff there's too much theory out there. 
there's enough theory. There's enough mm -hmm. point of views. You need stuff that's actionable. And that's what people resonate. And that's what people yearn for is stuff they can actually use rather right. than theory or rather than people saying they're passionate about something. Right, right. Because um, sometimes that overwhelming information can just cause you to quit and pause and freeze you. So if you can just get something out there and get started, then you'll make some real progress. So that's great. I love that. And the thing is, is that the thought of starting and doing this is so overwhelming. And you will get, if, if anyone's listening to this and they're like, I can't do that. I, I love it. And I think I've got the skills, but what will happen is they'll be like, I'm not smart enough for that, or I don't have the skills yet. And that's mm -hmm. going to stop them. And that's, that's, that's the sad thing. And the people strategists get it at all levels, but the best, the, the way you get better at strategy is by practice. And it's the thing we do the least. So what's this, what's a small step that they can do right now? That's really easy. That is not overwhelming. Something that can get you started foot in the door, just the practicing strategy. Yeah. So, so they could take my mini course. It's like an, I think it's like 30 minutes and it's done. It's free. So they can okay. take that and there's a brief in there. We look at a Reebok brief and you've got to rewrite the Reebok brief to make it better. Okay. Or I would take an ad you really love and try to break it down into what was the problem? What was the solution? What was the consumer goal? Thinking about from the consumer's perspective, just write the three lines. And what you'll often find is in the press release, they'll give you all the information around the strategy. They'll tell you the problem. They'll tell you the solution. They'll tell you okay. um, the goal. So you can fact check it. You can you can see how you how you did. Yeah, and even like start there. Don't don't like make it too hard for yourself. Don't think sure. that you've got to just figure dissect it, out. it. Yeah, dissect it because just take the words and just like pull it out and go. Oh, this is the goal, problem, solution, and see if it all lines up. Oh, I like that. That's easy. You could do. Everybody could do that. You could look up the answer right away and just see how it lines up. Good. Well, Julian, then what other resources besides Planning Dirty and your website, which I'll plug? Anything else like books or websites or people that you follow that you recommend? Yeah, so there's um, a couple of things that I'd recommend. If you're interested in strategy, there's a free guide called um, the JWT Planning Guide. And it was written in 1970, or I think 1960, by the, you know, the forefathers of uh, account planning or strategy in advertising, Stephen King. That's yep. a absolutely foundational book that's amazing. Uh, another one is Heather Laferve, who wrote Brain Surfing, which talks about the role of a strategist as she travels around the world doing strategy at different agencies. That's a great read. And then the final read would be Truth, Lies, and Advertising by John Steele. Yeah, I was about to say that. That's a great one. That it's was great... with Goodby, right? And he did the. He was talking about the gut milk. Yeah, yeah, and it's that's a fantastic read. So they're kind of like the foundational books that I would mm. I would start with. Yeah, great. Well, this has been fantastic. Can people reach out to you and what's the best way to do that from this podcast or take any questions or learn more about your, your program? What's the, yeah. where do they go? You can follow me on uh, 
Twitter, I'm Julian Cole. Instagram by Julian Cole. TikTok strategy tips. Ooh, uh, I'm gonna follow yeah. that. I love TikTok. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm hooked too. Uh yeah. so they're the three places. And the stupid well, the silly thing is my name changes over all three of them, but hmm. that's my own that's my own problems. Well, let's but yeah. They would be the places. Definitely um, follow me there. And then also YouTube if you want to see more content. And that's just Julian Cole's strategy tips. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been so interesting. And I can't thank you enough for coming on. So have a great day. And I'll have a good no day. No worries. Yep. Thanks for having me. Yep. Did you hear anything on this episode about a job you'd like to have someday soon in advertising, strategy, design, the kind of job where you use your brain and your creativity? If you did, chances are a portfolio can really help you get that job. That's where Chicago Portfolio School comes in. They have programs and classes that help you show off your thinking and get you the job you want. So visit them at chicagoportfolio.com. And if you drop my name, Gino, into the chat box, they'll send you more info and a cool Sharpie or just some more info. You can decide that. Thanks. Thank you all for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's guest. Make sure you go and connect with them on LinkedIn. Tell them that Breaking and Entering sent you. Now, thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio technician, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director, as well as the student team from the Midnight Oil Agency at the University of Illinois. Can't do it without you all. Thank you very much. We will see you all next week with another amazing guest.